This is the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Sport Pens International Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. We have another great show for you. However, before we welcome our guest, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. This helps us get the word out to others to let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents right here on the WVSA Digital Network. On the phone with us today is Marty Beal, head women's soccer coach at the University of Richmond. Uh, Marty, welcome to the program. Marcus, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Today we're going to be talking about college recruiting. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of players that uh, play our sport that are hoping to play past the club level, past high school level, and play at the college level. And I figured uh, Marty would be a great person to uh, to talk to. I follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's a great follow. Um, has a podcast, too, as well. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, Marty, why don't you just give us a brief background of how you got to the University of Richmond because I, I followed you back at your last gig, started following you back then. So why don't, why don't you go ahead and just talk to us a little bit about how you got where you are. It's a, it's a quick version. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I did not have my priorities straight. Um, so I was a soccer junkie. That's all I cared about. Um, and so I could not get into the colleges that I wanted to get into uh, from an academic standpoint uh, that were recruiting me from a soccer standpoint. Uh, so, you know, one thing led to another, um, and I, I was at a junior college, a great junior college, and then I went to uh, play Division One at University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Uh, left college early with high dreams of playing professional is the, when the MLS was beginning, and uh, blew my knee out a month before uh, my combine tryout, so that ended that, that hopes. But here I was left with, with no college degree and no real future uh, insight uh, that I could see, clearly at least. <laughs> Uh, the only thing I knew was soccer, um, and thankfully my old high school coach uh, recommended me getting into coaching and uh, started out in as a high school JV coach, uh, then started working with some club teams, and then got to be the assistant coach at a D3 school in Baltimore. And then from there, I realized that college coaching was what I wanted to do, but I still had needed my degree. So I got hired, uh, thankfully, at Francis Marion University down in South Carolina, and I was hired as their men's and women's assistant coach. And while I was uh, working full time, I went back to school full time to get my degree in psychology. And uh, uh, through a series of events, I eventually became the head women's soccer coach there at Francis Marion. And I was, was there for a total of 10 years. Uh, then I got hired at High Point University in North Carolina. And I had nine great years at, at High Point University. And then uh, University of Richmond gave me a call and they were looking for a new head women's soccer coach. Uh, so I came up for the interview and uh, fell in love with it. Uh, fell in love with the academics, fell in love with the uh, university, and fell in love with the community here in, in Richmond, Virginia. Now, you know, it's funny you say that about that you didn't have the academics uh, to go where you wanted to go, and now you find yourself at University <laughs> of Richmond. And and you've mentioned, I think, on Twitter before that you love that aspect of the school. Does that, I mean, does two of those I mean, are they, is it related because of, of what you went through, why you love academics so much now? Yeah. So, so now, you know, we all get, we all get wiser as we get older. Right. So, right. Uh, now I understand the, the true value of academics and, and surrounding myself with people, you know, these, these players and these athletes here and the students here at university of Richmond 
they are fully committed to their academics. Um, they are very motivated to be uh, great in their course load. And so being around that is, is very inspiring and, and something that I absolutely love. I love working with our players who are so dedicated to, to get better on the field, but they're also dedicated to, uh, you know, do well academically, which is going to, you know, prepare them for their life after college. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get right into our subject for today, which is college recruiting. I know uh, you at the D1 level has have had some frustrations uh, of uh, trying to recruit uh, based upon the rules that are being handed down to you uh, from the NCAA. But let's start out by talking to us about some of the expectations that players should know about if they decide to play soccer in college. Yeah, well, you know, as with anything in life, to be successful – it requires a lot of work. And so with college soccer, you know, the higher level you go, the more work is required. Um, you know, so, so I would say, you know, players in high school should first ask, them, ask themselves, how much am I willing to put into my development, both on the field and off the field? Um, you know, so for example, the NCAA allows our players to do, or allows the coaching staff to require our players to do up to 20 hours a week of like, that's training, games, film, weightlifting, you know, things like that. Uh, but, you know, but our players who, you know, the players who truly want to be successful and compete for championships, they're going to put in, you know, probably an additional 10 hours at least a week doing extra stuff like like extra recovery work, uh, staying out after practice for extra work on, uh, with the ball, getting into the weight room a little bit more, you know, doing some extra film stuff. You know, there's, there's so many things that you do outside of the actual practice that uh, players do if they want to be great um yes there's a lot of hard work that goes into it but the, the great thing is marcus there are over 1000 division one II, division two II, and division three programs in the country plus hundreds more of the naia and even hundreds more in junior college you know so so if a, if a high school player loves the game and they want that college soccer experience then there's definitely a place for them my daughter is a uh, place for West Virginia State University Division Two women's soccer. It's a brand new program last year. This is actually this while well, this past fall was supposed to be their first official season in NCAA, um, and. I remember her going out on her recruiting uh, visits and one coach told her that it's a full-time job. It's being, you know, a student and then being a soccer player is like having a full-time job while going to school. And you need to think of it like that. Would you agree? 100% agree. And and we tell our recruits that as well, that this is a full-time job, 100%. And that's, you know, it, a lot of programs who want to be successful and, and you know, your daughter's school, they're, they're building a program. So obviously there's a lot of hard work that goes into building a program. And so players that want to go there, they got to understand that, that, that they have to devote the time and energy to that in order to be successful. Now, I know all colleges are different, but it seems to be a common misconception with parents uh, and players when it comes to scholarships. Uh, talk to us a little bit about those expectations that these players and parents should have about college athletic scholarships. <laughs> yeah, this is the what I call the ugly business side to college soccer. You know, the, when the, the college coach has to decide on, on scholarships and things like that. Um, you know, the first thing that players and parents must understand is that just because a program is Division One, it does not mean they are fully funded. I would actually say that probably only a little over half of the Division One programs in the country have the 14 full scholarships to to divide out, 
and and for Division two it's at nine point nine scholarships. So you know, with most most college rosters have anywhere from twenty six to thirty players. You know, some schools have a little bit more, some a little bit less, but on average, you're looking at twenty six to thirty players. So if you do simple math, you can clearly see that not everyone's going to get big money to play college soccer. Um, you know, so you know, a college coach you know looks at the the athlete and says that this is what this athlete is worth, um, whether it's a fifty percent scholarship or maybe they just do dollar amounts that here's a $10,000 scholarship or here's a you know $40,000 scholarship based on the potential that they feel that that athlete is going to bring to their to their program. Um, and it's also based on what's available. You know, you know, we don't all have 14 scholarships available every year. It's about, you know, who graduates. So some years we may have two scholarships available to recruit with. And some years we may only have a half a scholarship to to recruit with. So every year things vary as well with the amount of money that's that's available to recruit with. I know we've already said this, but being a student athlete is tough. Uh, you've had a lot of experience at the collegiate level as a coach. What are some pitfalls that players can easily experience uh, being a college athlete? Yeah, I think I think many many times players can struggle with confidence. Um, you know, many college players were were stars in their high school or on their club team, and then they get to the college level and and they're just like everybody else. You know, there's uh, some players who are faster than them, some players who are more experienced than them, better technically than they are. And so sometimes that can you know, lead to a little bit of self-doubt. Uh, that's why I stress the, the you know, being resilient and relentless in your development is so critical for a player. Uh, that's, that's a big, big piece of being successful as a college athlete is, is being re- resilient and relentless towards your development, um, knowing that you're going to have setbacks. You're, you're, you're not always going to make the right pass. You're not always going to make the right play. And, you know, you just got to stay with it. And sometimes you're going to start games and sometimes you're not going to start games. Um, you know, so that's a, a big one that I see a lot with, with college athletes, especially their freshman year, is, is learning how to stay confident and stay resilient uh, throughout the process. And another thing, Mark, is that I, I see a lot is, is the struggle with time management. You know, some days as a college athlete, you know, they only have one 75-minute class and a practice in the afternoon. While another day they'll have like three classes plus weights plus practice. <laughs> right. So, so so managing your time on those lighter days is actually critical uh, to your success, and it, it's something that most freshmen struggle with early on. So, uh, so see, I say the two areas there are the confidence and, and time management. That uh, if you're not careful, you can fall into some bad traps and and be dig yourself a hole that's hard to get out of. With the current pandemic, uh, obviously this has changed how college recruiting uh, is done, uh, especially at your Division One level. Um, if you follow Marty on Twitter, uh, you know he's been spending a lot of time in his living room uh, in front of a couple of laptops uh, watching uh, matches uh, from, you know, ECNL, uh, various uh, tournaments that, you know, uh, they can't go to, but they can watch them online and recruit that way. Talk, talk to us a little bit about the challenges that you've had uh, with college recruiting right now. Yeah, I mean, everything is virtual for a Division One coach. Um, you know, thankfully, that, you know, so many leagues uh, across the country, you know, not just ECNL, but, but uh, you know, leagues across the country are, you know, videotaping games and streaming games. And, and even if it's not a live link that you can watch, you know, so many are, are being streamed where they can, create a video for their for the players to send to college coaches and things like that but you know virtual recruiting is is becoming the norm now um and so 
that, that's that's been a, a challenge because when you're watching, uh, so for example, you know, a couple weekends ago, I was watching the ECNL event, and you're trying to watch a particular kid play, and and sometimes the camera, you know, will will be stuck on a certain area. The, the the cameraman won't be as quality as some other cameraman. But in another part, that even as, if the cameraman is a great cameraman, you don't always see all their movements off the ball, and and that's something that's critical in recruiting is seeing what they do when they don't have the ball. So if you're looking at a forward and their team is building from the back, you can't see necessarily what the forward's movements are in order to help their team break lines and to generate attacks. So that's that's a huge challenge. Uh, you know, we also can't see uh, the um, interactions as well with their teammates, you know, how the, how the, the recruit treats their teammates, uh, how the recruit handles coaching, uh, you know, how they respond to a coach. We don't get to see that uh, from a virtual perspective. So that's that's definitely a struggle for us uh, right now. Um, hopefully this this um, virtual recruiting will, will be over soon. <laughs> right. Hopefully. Um, but, but that's kind of the, the struggles that we face right now with, with as for Division One college coaches. You bring up a couple of uh, points about being able to see what the player does off the ball and seeing how the player interacts with teammates. What are some things that you look for uh, in a college soccer player? Well, for me in particular, you know, we're, we're, their character as a person is, is absolute foremost, the, the most important thing. Um, you know, and you can see that their character and how they play. You know, we can see that in how competitive they are. Uh, how resilient they are, you know, what happens when they make a mistake, what happens with the, a forward is taken on a back and they, and they get the back stops them. You know, do they just stop and hang their head or do they immediately fight to win the ball back uh, and, and recover for their teammates? You know, what do they do when their teammate makes a mistake? That's a big one we look at is, is how they respond to a teammate's mistake. Um, you know, those, those are critical things. And that all comes down to your character as a person. You know, if you're selfish and you're self-centered, then, you 100% will not be successful at the collegiate level. Uh, it doesn't matter how good you are. Uh, you, you definitely will, will, will fail miserably um, because every, every coach in the country you know, wants a player who's going to work their tail off for the team and do whatever they can to help their team be successful. Yeah, so that's a big one. Um, you know, at the Division One level, we're looking for great athletes. You know, there's no, no hiding the fact. You know, the conference that we're in right now, the Atlanta 10 Conference, is a highly athletic conference. Um, you know, so if, if a player can't move well enough, it doesn't really matter how good they are technically or tactically, they, they probably won't be successful. Uh, so that athletic component is, is unfortunately very, very important. Um, and then clearly, you know, for us at, at Richmond, you know, we were uh, a possession-oriented program. You know, so we need players who can handle the ball, who are comfortable on the ball, uh, composed on the ball, and then have a good mind for the game. Uh, and can see the field well and, and have a good speed of play about them. Those are some things that, that we look for at, at Richmond. But, but all across the country, I guarantee you, every college coach in the country will want players with high character, high values that, that are going to come in and make their program better. I can't, can't stress that enough. Um, who you are has a direct impu- impact on the type of player that you are. Now, I know some players and parents are a little bit nervous about this spring season, uh, you know, part of it being canceled from club soccer to ODP. We've had to push our ODP uh, evaluations back, uh, you know, due to government mandates. Um, can you give players some advice or tips on how they can get noticed by college coaches if they're not playing as much or maybe not going to 
the showcases that they normally go to? I mean, what what would your advice be? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've seen some some players really uh, put themselves in a good position to be seen by college coaches, uh, and they haven't. I haven't even seen them play a game, and it's what they do on social media. Uh, you know, you, you can set up a bit of your phone uh, in some container or some little spot, and you can do fast footwork. You could be in your backyard, and your your mom or dad could could film you working on your first touch or working on your dribbling moves. You know different things like that. There's so many things that you can do from a video perspective uh, that can uh, help you from the recruiting's part. You know, the, the, the biggest thing I, w- I would say is just they have to just put in the work. They have to be think outside the box uh, and not use COVID as an excuse as to why they're not being recruited. Uh, email college coaches, uh, follow college coaches on social media, um, you know, send them emails, uh, personal emails, send them uh, DMs on social media, you know, be proactive and getting your name out there in front of those college coaches that you're interested in. And, and I promise you, it's going to work out eventually. It's just, it's just going to take a little bit more time and it's going to take a little bit more work. Would you agree with this statement that I heard from one college coach who said, if you show interest in our program, we will probably show interest in you. (laughs) 100%. And and here's, you know, I've received an email today from a, from a recruit. No, 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 know nothing about this kid just a kind of a what we call a cold email she just emails us out of the blue and uh you know she she grabbed my attention right away in the first sentence of the email i want to be a richmond spider so right away i know that this kid is looking at the university of richmond this is not a form email this is not a, the email she's sending out to every single college coach she's sending this directly to the richmond soccer staff she goes on to talk about the atlantic 10 conference uh, she puts in there about her academics. Uh, she puts in there about her, you know, what she's done with her club team and where, what uh, country she's from. Uh, the, like I said, the grades. Uh, she puts in her links for social media. She puts in a link for her uh, YouTube channel where she has her highlight films and things like that. Like this is a kid who's shown interest in the University of Richmond. And you know what we're going to do, Marcus? What? We're going to we're going to do our due diligence and we're going to check this kid out to see if she has the the things that we're looking for in a recruit. Awesome. I, and that's the thing. And you meant you, you bring up a great word that I like to use often is proactive, uh, being proactive in, in what you want, what your goals are and that type of thing. Now you also bring in social We talked, we've been talking about social media a little bit and some of the positives of that. I'm sure you have probably a couple of stories of how social media of, of a player or a recruit has negatively impacted you and, <laughs> and negatively impacted um, them joining your program. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there, there's a couple red flags that come up. Uh, you know, most recruits have their you know Instagram account, uh, you know, private, which is great. I, I 100% believe that that's a, a perfect thing to do is to have your account private um, as a, as a young player, uh, you know, so, but we still want to follow them. And so we'll send them a request. Um, so, you know, if they don't allow us to follow them, but they follow us back, then that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. That, that's showing us that they don't want, there's something in their social media that they do not want college coaches to see. Um, but yeah, they're, but they're interested in us because they're following us, following us back. Um, so that's always a red flag for us. And then, then clearly when we see them uh, neg- talk negatively about uh, their games that are going on, about the referees, um, just about life. If they're just a, a negative person about life in general, 
you know, then we'll stop recruiting them in a heartbeat. Um, and clearly they're putting up things that, that, you know, young people should not be doing, you know, the partying and things like that. Um, then, then that's somebody that, that we will stop recruiting in, in a heartbeat as well, you know? So, you know, the, the social media, I think is, is, is a fascinating piece. I think it can be used in such a powerful way and such a positive way. Um, and I think it can still be fun. I, th- I think a, a recruit can use it in a fun way with their friends. Uh, but I think the recruit needs to be smart about, you know, what they're putting on there because it's showing who they are and it's showing, you know, what they believe in. Um, yeah. So, so I've seen recruits use it in a powerful way that have you know, put themselves in a good position with college coaches. Uh, and I've seen recruits do the exact opposite and, and shoot themselves in the foot because of what they're posting on social media. Now, if someone is interested in playing college soccer, if you could give that person one piece of advice, what would that one piece of advice be to getting recruited? Take the initiative. Write personal emails. It's, it's got to be. It's got to be personal emails. It, there's nothing wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with using a recruiting service, but don't let the recruiting service speak for you as the recruit. Um, you know, so so the recruit themselves, you know, writing the email, uh, using their words, uh, asking questions, being inquisitive, taking the initiative. I think that's absolutely vital for um, to, to to gain interest from a college coach and, and to show the college coach that you're inter- interested in them. Now, again, going back to that email that I received today, you know, that kid who wrote me that email this morning, you know, we this is a kid from a different country that we would not have seen in a normal environment. Right. You know, and and if she had sent me just a form email, uh, dear coach, uh, I am a dedicated and, and fearless goalkeeper, and um, I'm from this country, and soccer has been my life forever. Here's the the team that I play on. You know, my academics are you know a 3.7. You know, you know, like normal stuff. But there's nothing in there about the University of Richmond. There's nothing in there about our conference. There's nothing in there that says that they are generated generally interested in us then I wouldn't spend a, a moment looking at that email. Got to do your homework. Yeah, I, yes, indeed. I, I mean, literally, Marcus, I get hundreds of emails a day. And you, <laughs> you're looking for people that, that stand out. And the, the ones that stand out are the ones who are genuinely interested in your university, your program. And so making those emails personal um, really, really uh, drives, drives the market big time. So that's, that's my biggest piece of advice that I would give a recruit. Now, before we wrap things up, Marty, um, we mentioned earlier in the podcast that you have a podcast. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about it? Yeah, so uh, during the, the pandemic, um, uh, I started a, a Zoom meeting with a bunch of college coaches where we started discussing uh, leadership um, and culture. Uh, those are two things that are right up my alley that I, I love learning about, I love talking about. Uh, so, so every Friday afternoon, we would talk uh, about 15 to 20 of us college coaches to get together and talk. And then I realized that I wanted to do more for the coaching community and kind of give back to the, to the game, if you will, and, and have a bigger impact on as many coaches as I possibly can. And so I decided to venture out into the podcast world uh, like, like you are. <laughs> and uh, so I invite in other college coaches from, from various sports. It's not a soccer-specific podcast. Is a podcast about uh, college coaches uh, talking about leadership, leadership development, and culture, and, and how to develop culture in your programs. Um, so yeah, so it's called uh, Conversations with a College Coach, Leaders in Locker Rooms, uh, and you can find it on, on all the major podcast networks. 
Awesome. Well, we encourage uh, folks to go check out that podcast and to follow uh, Marty online. He's always a good follow. Been following him now for how long have you been at Richmond now? Uh, three years now. Uh, uh, so I was at High Point for nine years. So yeah, so earlier on at High Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, yeah. And, uh, so it's 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 been a it's been a number of years. Well, Marty, I certainly appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to uh, talk with us today here on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to the podcast today. We appreciate it. Remember, make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program here on the WVSA Digital Network. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network. Or find us on our social media platforms at WVSoccer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.